chapter number 4 and dive right into the message. And uh, that will be a good thing. Hebrews chapter number 4. Now the verses today that I'll be preaching on, literally I've heard sermon after sermon after sermon on these verses. But I have rarely heard a sermon that we've gone through the book up to this point where we take the verse actually in context with what the Bible's saying. There's a verse, and this verse taken by itself, you could preach a great message off of it, but I believe it's even more powerful when you take it in context with what we've been learning up to this point. So if you've got your Bibles there, Hebrews 4, verse number 12 and 13 for today. Last week we did 11 verses, today's only two verses. So I know you're thinking, great, we're going to get out early. That's not what that always means, okay? So don't, don't get too, don't, it could be, you never know. We'll see what happens here. Hebrews 4, verse number 12. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity we have to be in church today. We thank you for the many blessings you've given to us and I pray that you bless our service today, and I thank you for what's already been done, the singing that's happened, that special that we got to hear this morning. And I pray that as we go to the Word of God this morning, that you would feed us and help us today. And I know this morning that what everyone needs is your words, not mine. And I pray that you would guide through the service today, and you would do what you do best. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So... A couple weeks ago, I turned 38. I've been going to church for basically that whole time. There's probably two weeks my mom didn't go. Then she threw me in the nursery. And I was, you know, as a kid, the big fights I'd get into in the nursery, brawling with the other kids in the cribs and things like that. And, you know, those were the big fights I got into. So I've been in church a long time, almost 38 years. And uh, I've been around, I've heard this Bible preached for 38 years. Those first few years, I can't remember much, okay? So, and don't hold me, hold that against me. But in all reality, when I look at the Word of God, the first time I remember it really doing something in my heart was when I was six years old. And we had, um, we had a revival meeting in the church, and so all the adults were in the auditorium, and then all the kids were in their own kids' class. And some people love kids' classes, some people don't. I love kids' classes because you can relate it to them. But we also have times for them to be in here, which is a good thing as well. But I remember in that message, they did the prodigal son. And in that message, he was reading from the Bible and things. And literally, the word of God pierced my heart. Like, I need to get saved. I need Jesus. And there was a time in my life, that's the first time I can remember, probably around six years old, the first time, like, wow, the word of God did something in me. And many of you in this room, you have similar instances. Might have been when you were younger. Might have been when you were in your 30s or 40s. Or might have been in your 80s. Who knows? But the Word of God is a book that is not like any book that's ever been made. Now, we could go, and some people are book people. I know that. Um, I mentioned last service, Johnny's not in here now. He's running the sound last service. And Johnny did a great job on Wednesday night. 
But Johnny, he just graduated Bible college. He's just getting going in ministry. And he sent me a picture a couple weeks ago of his office he set up at home. And in his office there, there are books everywhere. And he's a, he's a book nerd. He really is. And, uh, and with Johnny, I am sure he will read most of those books. For the longest time, before I moved my office into this room, when I was in the other room, I had books everywhere bookshelves. Say, why did you read all those books? Of course not. Why were the books there? It makes you smarter when you got a lot of books behind you, right? I'm, I was a young pastor. I don't have to have as many now. I'm starting to get a little older. But 25 years old, you just have a bunch of books sitting behind you. Wow, this guy reads a lot of books. And it makes them, people think you're a little smarter than what you really are. Books have never been my thing. And so the longer I pastor and the more I study, yes, I'm starting to enjoy books more, but that's just never been my thing. Caroline would stay up late and get in trouble at home for having on her little flashlight reading books late at night. I never got in trouble for reading books late at night. That never happened to me. And so um, that just wasn't... She also, you know, there was 13 kids in her family that lived in the middle of Minnesota in the middle of nowhere. And so I don't think they had TV or anything like that. We had TV. So TV to me was better than a book. But how many of you love to read books? How many of you don't? How many of you could care less either way? That's where I'm at now. It used to be I didn't like them at all, but now I'm like, eh, they're okay. They got their spots. And so in the Library of Congress, there are 130 million items. Supposed to be the largest library in the world. 130 million items. Approximately 530 miles worth of books. That's crazy. There's 29 million books and other printed materials, 2.7 million recordings, 12 million um, um, photographs, 4.8 million maps, and 58 million manuscripts. That's a lot. But I want you to know something. Out of every book, no book can claim to be what this book is. And I want you to understand something this morning. The world and those that don't know, they don't understand what this book is. They don't get it. But God's Word, this book, it's a book that can change your life. It changed my life at a young age. It's changed a lot of people's lives. And this morning, I want to take some time, and I want to talk about the Word of God. But before we do that, I want to go back where we've been over the past several weeks. If you remember in chapter 3 of Hebrews, God mentions his children, the children of Israel. And he goes back and gives us an example of them being in the wilderness, right? And how God had rest for them. The promised land. God told the children of Israel, I'm going to give you this land. This land is going to be yours. A land flowing with milk and honey. It's yours. What happened is, they sent some spies in. And they saw there were giants in the land. And, you know, they didn't have all the military tactics. They didn't have all the things the people there did. They went in. Of the 12 spies that went in, two came back. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take this land. God is good enough. We can do it. And the other ten said, whoa, we've seen what it looks like. We will not, we cannot take the land. And because of that, God judged them. And anyone over the age of 20 did not enter into the promised land. God's land that he had for them because they doubted God. So in chapter 3, we read about the fact that the Spirit of God speaks to us. Listen when he speaks. There have been times in each of our lives that the Word of God has worked in our lives, and God speaks. Have you ever, re- have you ever received anything from God's Word? Has God's Word spoken to you? 
That just sounds, to some people in this world, that would be like, that just sounds weird, the Word of God speaking to you. But it does. And I'll explain more in a few minutes. But there have been times in my life where the Word of God speaks and it's very clear to me. Then there's other times I feel like the Word of God doesn't say anything to me. Ever been there? And the problem is it comes down to how our heart is. The Word of God is always right, and the Word of God always has stuff for us. But depending on how our heart is, like the children of Israel, they heard what God had to say. They doubted, and they had a heart of disbelief, and their hearts were hardened towards God. Where when we hear from God, and we do what he, and we trust him, he keeps working. I mentioned last week the three types of rest that we can enter into. The rest and salvation. There are many people today that are trying to find their way to God and figure out how to get there. People sometimes, and I'll say, do you know for sure if you die, you're going to heaven? And some people, last night I was talking to a man at the rescue mission, and he's like, I really don't. So do you want to take care of that? I could show you from the Bible. He's like, I really don't want to yet. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't force it on anybody. You don't twist someone's arm behind the Trust Jesus. You don't do that. That's not a good way to do it. He just wasn't ready for it yet. But when we think about this, and we look at what the Bible has to say, there was a time that we trusted the Lord. You heard the word of God, and you put faith in the Lord. But Israel, they heard from God, and they didn't believe him. And because they didn't believe him, they never entered the rest that God had for them. Now, when you get saved, you have the rest of salvation. We just sang that song, In Christ Alone. The end of that song, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. The reason I believe today that I'm saved and going to heaven has nothing to do with the person that I am. I try to be a good person. I want to be a good person, but I'm not always a good person. None of us are. What I'm trusting in is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And so, and the Bible says that there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Once you get in the Father, you are safe and secure. So I have rest today knowing that I'm going to spend eternity with God if this book is true. And I believe it is. There's also the future rest that we have, and that's heaven. And thank God for heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven. This world's a crazy place. A lot of crazy things go on. I'm ready for the day where there's no more crime, no more going on, and being with Jesus forever is going to be a great day. But God also designed the life that we live now for us to have rest, the peace of God which passes all understanding. And Israel didn't have it because they didn't trust God. And they didn't trust his word. That's the key. And so the author of Hebrews shows us here in our text this morning that the word of God is something you can trust. And we need to trust it. And we need to do what it says. It is an amazing book with amazing truths that can transform your life if you let it. As we dive in this morning, I got four points. Number one, as we dive in, why must we believe the word of God? Number one, it's alive. It's alive. We look back at verse number um, 12, the beginning there. It says, for the word of God is quick. Now, I know you think of quick, you think of someone being fast, right? That's what you think of quick. This is an older English word here, and it means alive. The Bible tells us in, in, in Psalms and also in Ephesians, it mentions, and you hath he quickened or made alive. So as we look, why can we believe the word of God? Number one, because it's alive today. It's amazing to me, a book written over 2,000 years ago is still relevant in 2023. 
There are not many books written a long time ago that are still relevant. Like, it's amazing to me. We look and we're getting ready to celebrate another year for our country. July 4th, 1776 was the year. And you got to understand, when you look at the, um, the Constitution of the United States and you look at the Bill of Rights, they did a good job on those things. And because and, um, an amazing thing is all these 240-something years later, it's still relevant. People try to tell us it's not so relevant anymore, but they knew what they were doing with it. And that's amazing for 200-plus years. But the Word of God was written long before the United States was ever founded. And the Word of God is still relevant today, even though it was written so long ago. The Word of God, it is alive today. There is no other book like the Bible and the fact that it's alive. The word quick there, for the Word of God is quick, it it is placed in an emphatic position. It means there's no dead letter, there's nothing dead about this book. This book you hold in your hands, it's alive today. And it has the power to change your life. So we see, number one, why must we believe the Word of God? Because it's alive. Number two, because it's powerful. The Word of God, it's powerful. Look at what it says here. For the Word of God is quick and powerful. That word that come, where the powerful comes from is the word where we get the word energy or energetic from. It literally means to be at work. I think Charles Swindoll said this. He said, news articles may inform us, novels may inspire us, poetry may enrapture us, but only the living, active word of God can transform us. God's word can take a sinner and turn them into a saint. God's word can change your life. It's a powerful book today. It has the power to change your life. You think about in the Bible, you think about Saul. This man hated God. He hated everything to do with God. He's wreaking havoc on the church, killing Christians. And the Bible says that one day Jesus came to him on Damascus Road, and Paul's life was changed forever. God's word has the power to change your life today. Hey, believe it today. Trust it today. Many people in life will turn to a lot of places to try and find help. I was at the rescue mission last night down in downtown L.A., and I go pretty much every week. And the reason I go, the more I go, the more burden I have for the people that are there. And they they love having a pastor there. And so I go each week and they're trying to convince me. I started out a couple weeks ago. I said, if you, have 50, if you can get 50 here to the service, I will get you pizza. And so two weeks ago, one of the guys came up to me. He's like, you know that story in the Bible about how Abraham went to God for, the children of, for, uh, for Lot and his family in Sodom? He said, will you spare the city for 50? And then when they couldn't find 50, he said, would they spare the city for 40? Would you not get pizza for 40? That was his answer. And I'm like, that was good. That was really good. So one night he comes up to me. He's like, there's 29 tonight. He's like, what about 35? What about 35? I'm like, you really want pizza, don't you? I said, all right. So next week if I come, if there's 35, I'll do it. And so we'll see what happens there. But I thought that was, that was a great little story. As we were looking at last night, I look at... God has more for the people of L.A. than living on the streets. The drugs, the alcohol, the crime. And I was encouraging them last night that this book right here could change their life. Do you realize alcohol doesn't change your life? It might take your problems away for five minutes. 
And then you wake up with your hangover, and all your problems come right back. Drugs don't take it away. This book is powerful enough to change your life. How we need the Word of God. The Word of God, you can believe it today, number one, because it's alive. Number two, because it's powerful. And I know some of you are thinking right now, he's already on point number three. He's almost done. Just hold on. Number three, here we go. It penetrates. The Word of God penetrates. Look what it says. The word, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. You think about a sharp sword. I have uh, in our kitchen, I've been, I do a lot of our cooking now. And not because Caroline's not a good cook, but it was something I could help her with. When you got four kids, I would just encourage you guys, when you got four kids in the house or kids, help your wives with things and find out what they need and help them different ways. So, but my knives, some of you seniors came to my house for lunch two weeks ago. And the that I made, it took forever to cut that meat because my knife is going dull on me. I remember the first couple times I used that knife, it literally, my finger, you can see, there's a piece gone. Because literally it barely got at the edge of it and cut a piece of my finger off. I just threw it in with the stew and it was fine. No, everything was fine. Just kidding. Just kidding. Relax. So you're like, oh, just relax. That was a joke. Just a little joke. Um, but I tell you, I could probably take that same knife today and have to use it as a hacksaw to get to even draw blood today. It's just wearing out. But when you have a sharp sword, it can just cut through. I always think of Zorro. I think of that, his sword was sharp. The word of God can penetrate to the heart. I used the example last service during COVID. COVID was a crazy time. And try pastoring through COVID. And, you know, you want to stand firm and do what God wants you to do. And then you've got every opinion under the sun. When you have a church of whatever our church is, the size and everything, you have opinions everywhere. And everyone has them. Do you realize that? Everyone's got an opinion about everything. Some people want us to never close the door. Some people say we should stay closed longer. Some people think I should have everyone wear masks. Some people said that I should not make anyone wear a mask. And people want da 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 It was the most stressful time in my life up to this point was during COVID. And especially in that July of that year. And so July of that year, I remember I felt something was wrong in me. And my wife also helps me with that sometimes. She'll be like, um, she'll be like you're, you're, you're a little grumpy. I'm not grumpy. You're a little grumpy. If you keep saying I'm grumpy, I'm going to get grumpy. Don't be telling me I'm grumpy. But she'll be like, you're not acting like yourself. And I remember that time she told me, you just need to go away. Fine, I'm leaving. I went to the beach for a while, and I do that from time to time. I got a prayer spot I go to at the beach. But it was one of those times I did not know what was going on. I knew something was wrong and something was off, but I couldn't figure it out for myself. And so I go to the beach, and I go, there's a spot in Dana Point, I go, and I pray. I've been going there for years, since I was a teenager, I'd go to this spot. And there's not a lot of people there and things and all of that, and this is my spot, I go pray. And so I'm sitting there, and literally my prayer was this, God, I don't know what's wrong. Help me figure it out. So take your Bibles, real quick, to Psalm chapter 62. So what I do is, and ever, people are different, and people have different ways they do things, but literally if I want to hear from God, I read his book. It's where I go. I read the word of God. And so I'm literally there at the beach, and I'm reading this passage. Psalm 62, verse number one. Truly my soul waiteth upon God, 
From him cometh my salvation. Look at verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Go down to verse 6. So in one chapter, two times, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Verse 7. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. So you see something about a rock being a defense and how you won't be moved. And literally, I've been coming to this spot for years. And I'm just looking around, and there's this huge rock right in front of me. Huge rock there at Dana Point. And the water is splashing against that rock. And I mean overtaking that rock, and the rock doesn't move. And literally, I, when I got to the beach that day, I did not know what was wrong with me. And literally, it was my anxiety. And worrying about things that I should trust God with. And the word of God penetrated my heart and helped me figure it out. That's what the word of God does. It speaks to us. And it helps us. And there, there are times, you know, you go to the doctor, sometimes you're like, something's wrong, but I don't know what's wrong. And what does the doctor do? They help you, well, they practice, right? Isn't that what they say? They practice. They try to help you figure out what's wrong. They run tests. They do all these things. When something spiritually is wrong, this book will help you. I remember the day I was called to preach. I was 17 years old. It was August 17th of 2020 or 2021, one of those two years, somewhere in there. Whichever year I was 17, you know, I'd have to go back and do the math. But um, the night I was called to preach at the church there, it was a youth rally. And literally at this youth rally, the sermon, it, the night not to get called to preach, this was the night not to get called to preach. The sermon was how tough ministry is and how that you're going to take up your cross and follow Jesus. So this pastor was going on about missionary stories. You know, missionary, their kids get killed and all these things. And if you, don't, if you can't handle tough stuff, don't get in ministry. So that's really not the night to surrender to be in ministry like God wants you to be. But I felt God's call that night, and I remember there was an invitation. And, you know, some churches, they do long invitations, some do short. This had to be the longest invitation I can ever remember. And they kept singing the song, surrender all, I surrender all. I'm like, could you just end this now? Not another verse. Or have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. And the Lord called me to pastor, and I told him, no. I do not like to get up in front of people and speak. I'm not comfortable in front of people. You're like, you're a liar. You're in front of people right now. You don't know how I feel on the inside even getting up in front of church right here. Like, I know... Just thinking about this morning, and Elby uh, in the first service, she sang a little bit louder, that song. I think having family here, that put a little extra pressure on her. But for her to be able to sing when she never could, that's a big deal. And I believe the Lord helped her do it this morning. And I, that's the Lord helps me when I preach. But it's not an easy thing for me to get up in front of people. And so I literally told God, no, I won't do it. I can't do it. That night, I want you to look at a verse that I read that night at home. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it's just amazing to me. And do you know, it doesn't always happen where right away the Bible shows me something. Sometimes it takes a long time. I'm giving you two examples where it came pretty quick. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 
Look down at verse 24. Look at what it says. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. I don't believe there was an accident that I read that verse that night. Because if God verse tells me he's going to equip me to do what he calls me to do. And so every time I get in the pulpit as I was getting up this morning to come preach, I literally quote that verse. Lord, you better be with me again today because I can't do this without you. And that verse helped me. It's like God gave that verse to me right when I needed it. Realize I needed it. Because the word of God it gets to the source of the problem. And that's why people don't like the Word of God also. It, I don't like the way it makes me feel. No, it shows us that we're not right. And it shows us our only way to get right is through Jesus Christ. We don't like that. We want to do it our way. Isn't it, was it Sinatra? I did it my way. You can't do that with God. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But we don't like that. That's why people have a hard time with the Word of God. Because it penetrates and tells us something ain't right. And you need something more than what you have. We see number one, why must we believe the Bible today? Number one, it's alive. It's penetrates. And then number four, this morning, discerns. We look at the end of that verse there. It says, let's read that verse one more time. And I'm in Thessalonians. I'm not even in the right place. It says, um, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. It tells us there that the Bible, it, then, it discerns. It knows the intent that we have and the thoughts of our hearts. You know, there are sometimes someone will get in trouble for saying, well, I didn't mean to do it that way. But, you know, the Lord and his word knows if you meant to do it that way or another way. We can fool one another. You can't fool the book. A couple weeks ago, I was on a ride-along with the PD, and I used this story in the last service, so I'm going to use it again. But um, I'll give you a little hint. If you love your family or in friends, don't ever have them stay at the Motel 6 in Chino, okay? There is more trouble on in Chino than anywhere else in Chino. Trust me on that one, okay? So I know they leave the lights on for you, but... It's over, you realize, it's over 100 bucks to stay there now. It was like 40 12 years ago. It's like 100 bucks to stay at the Motel 6. But literally, they could put five officers there full time and they would have more than enough to do. That's, just stay clear of Motel 6. Don't do it. If you love your family and friends, don't put them there. If you want them to learn to trust God, maybe put them there. You never know. And so, but we went there. It was late at night. We went there for something else. But we got there and what they do is, there are cars all over the place. So what the officers will do, they'll run the license plates. And so they ran the license plate on this truck. And this truck came back as that truck, but it didn't look right. It looked newer than what the registration said. So the officer thought about it, and then we, after we got done with what we were doing, he actually went back and he got the VIN number. And he went and ran the VIN number, and the VIN number came back for a stolen truck. But the stolen truck was five years newer than what the registration said for that truck. So we find out the room and things. We go knock on the door. 
the person, things come out, and this guy could only speak Spanish, but he, we, we, they tell him what's happened, that this truck is probably stolen, and he gives the, a great story. I'm like, this poor guy. He literally says he bought this truck a little over a year ago, and he bought it from a friend in Pomona. That's trouble right there. But anyways, I wasn't going to say that. He bought it from a friend. He had no clue, and there's no way his truck could be stolen. He literally got kicked out of his house from his wife. He's trying to find a place to live. He's got a job. He needs his truck for work, and there's no way that this truck is stolen. Or even if it is, there's no way he could have known it. And I'm sitting there thinking, poor guy. I'm getting suckered in. I'm like, wow, that guy, poor guy. I feel bad. If we have to take his car, maybe I'll come back in the morning and give him a ride where he needs to go. I'll help this guy out. And the officer was falling for it too. We both, he had this hook, line, and sinker. He did a good job with it. We felt bad. There were tears in his eyes. And it's not like he was a 20, this guy's probably 50 or older. And like, poor guy, bad luck fell on him, whatever the case may be. So we, he's like, well, the officer's like, we got to just figure out a few things. We'll come back and talk to you. Just sit here, wait a few minutes. So we go into the car. He runs the registration. The registration was only gotten two months ago, but he bought the truck over a year ago was his story. For the next couple hours, we found out a lot of different things, and it comes down to it that he got the truck somehow, and he literally changed the grill and the bumper in the front to an older grill and bumper so it looked like an older truck. So if the registration was ran, you would be able to tell. He literally played a pretty game. Now, innocent until proven guilty. I get that, okay? I'm not going to, and who knows, that's for the, but all I know is I totally bought it, and I thought, this poor guy. But literally, he had all the tools in his car, and he changed everything himself. I, I wasn't a good discerner of his heart. The officer wasn't really. When the facts started to come out, we saw he wasn't quite the innocent guy that he claimed to be. And you and I can fool each other all day long, but you cannot fool God. He sees it all. He knows it all. And the word of God discerns the thoughts and even the intents of the heart. Like, well, I meant, I meant this to turn out good, and it didn't quite turn out. Well, God really knows if that's the case. Literally, the Bible does. The Bible is a book that is powerful. It's a book that you can trust today. It's quick. It's powerful. It penetrates. It discerns. And because it discerns, I want to give you two last thoughts about this, and we'll be done. Number one is the fact that God sees everything, and you cannot escape it. We look at the rest of those verses there. It says, and, of the, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You cannot escape God. He sees it all. You know, there are times in life where we do something good. I hope God saw that. I want him to see what I did. God, hopefully you saw that. Then there's other times like, I hope. He didn't see that. Truth of the matter is, he saw the good and he saw the bad. He saw all of it. You cannot escape that fact. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And when we think about this, that God sees everything you can't escape, number two goes right in that same line. God sees everything and you can't hide from God. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They sinned. Uh, let me give you, if you get nothing else, what sin does to us. When they sinned, 
they didn't, their thinking was off. This is a good little saying here. That word, but it's kind of true. It's true. Sin makes you stupid. Adam and Eve thought after they sinned they could hide from God. How can you hide from God? You cannot hide from God. But we get these thoughts in our minds, but the Bible makes it clear that God sees everything. There's, you can't hide it from God. And someday we are all going to stand before God someday and give an account to God for the things that we do. The Bible talks about that fact. Now as we look here today, the author of Hebrews is making it clear that God's word is powerful. God's word is believable. Go back up to verse number 11. It says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Then for, or therefore, the word of God is quick and powerful. Why we need to know what the word of God is, is because we don't need to do what the children of Israel did and doubt what God says. We need, didn't we sing it this morning? It's amazing how this line up with the times. I plan that every once in a while. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. What we need to do is, as believers today, we need to trust the book. This world wants you to doubt this book. You need to believe this book. If you, if you live very long and you look around us today, you know what the world's trying to do? They're trying to mold you and shape you into what they want you to be. I'm going to encourage you today. Get in this book and let this book transform you. This book will transform you. This book will change your life. This book can bring happiness. Man, I remember, and Shelly, you're in this service and made me think of it a few minutes ago. I love your husband. Frank is one of my dear friends. And I remember the first couple times that him and I talked. He said he believed in God, but he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And, he, and Frank is a very stubborn good man. Isn't that a good way to describe him? That's a great way to describe Frank. He's a great friend of mine. I love him dearly. And, but what happened was there was a day that he called me on the phone. And this phone call, because this is the thing, I don't, I don't force the gospel on anybody. That's not what the Lord has for us. I will give bits and pieces. I don't know if you notice, every message I preached last night at the rescue mission, one of the workers there was, asked, was asking me to help him write a sermon. So I was helping him a little bit because I had a little extra time. And he's like, it seems like you give a little bit of the gospel in every message you preach. Yes. There's a little gospel in every message I preach. It's always there. It should be. You should be gospel-centered. Give the gospel for those that don't know the Lord, but also give things to help other people. But going back to Frank, I would never push it on him. And Frank is not one that will ever just come to church regularly. It's just not in him. But Frank's also not the type of guy that I ever thought I would get the phone call I got. And I had prayed and prayed for him. And we, and we got to know, and he called me. And this was his phone call. I just found out that Jesus is the Son of God. Mid to late 70s, literally. And he's like, I'm ready. I came over. He trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Where did he find out that Jesus is the Son of God? It changed his life. 
This book can change your life if you'll let it. There are many people that will never open its pages and never find out about how wonderful it is when it's got everything we need for life. Fall in love with this book. Get in this book. Trust this book. And let this book change your life. Father, I thank